it's time for a brand new Fast Play 5 mini-series as we are counting down our five favourite songs from the 1930s to the 1950s. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go. Because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea. Because on this podcast, we do Disney. I'm your hostess for the mostest, Kelly Meehan, and welcome to Doing Disney. We have a brand new Fast Play 5 mini-series. For this series, I'm setting all my guests the daunting task of picking five, only five, of their favourite songs from a major Disney era. To launch our new series, I have two amazing special guests with me today. I have Jeremy Adams and Caleb Boatman. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Very excited for this. Let's get it. <laughs> Let's indeed. Uh, if you ever watched Disney on DVD in the mid-2000s, you may remember the fast play option to skip straight to the film. So here on the podcast, we honour that and skip straight to the five favourite topics of the film. As it's said in every fast play five, there are only a limited number of spaces and many amazing choices to pick from, so hard cuts must be made. Fast play fives come down to favourites, as is every category on the podcast, and each person is entitled to their picks. Just because something doesn't make our list doesn't mean we don't like it. I encourage quirky, out-of-the-box personal choices because the theory of the podcast is to find out how various people do Disney. So it comes down to each person's personal opinion and how they want to make the list. Start at the beginning. The 30s and 50s, or the golden age of Disney, we would say, uh, you have to say that the music is a big part of what cemented both the studio and really advocates for long-form animation starting from Snow White. So there's a lot of legacy songs to dive into. Jeremy, would you kick us off with your number five picks, please? Oh, absolutely. So my number five, um, I think one of the interesting things that we get when we look at the legacy of Disney is you have big musical like popular artists have contributed songs throughout the years you can go like later on to people like billy joel and elton john uh but this was going on you know back going back to the 50s as well and i picked uh one of my favorite musical artists who happened to do multiple songs for one of the films and that was peggy lee for the film lady and the tramp and i particularly love the song he's a tramp which peggy herself uh performs as the character of peg who is this uh, dog who's kind of an old girlfriend of Tramp who's in a uh, uh, she's in the local pound and it's it's a really great song I love you know she sings it the way that she kind of sang her pop hits at the time but she just brings that personality to that character and I particularly love the background like dog singing that you get from the other dogs in the pound so just just as a pop sort of piece of history that ties in when you look at different kinds of Disney songs this one just kind of slipped in there at number five for me I love this choice. Bo, what do you think of this one? Uh, yeah, this is a great choice. This used to be, like, when I would watch Lady and, Lady and the Tramp was never one of my favorite Disney movies as a kid. It just was never one I gravi gravitated to. And this song in particular was never one of my favorites. <coughs> Excuse me. I was never one of my favorites. <laughs> that was like a, I don't know if that was a sneeze or a cop. But anyway, not particularly... One of my favorites. I'm not allergic to dogs, but apparently I'm allergic to talking about them. Uh, <laughs> but not one of my favorites. But now, like, watching it, I really like this number. Like, it has a very, like, 50s, like, croon, like Peggy Lee, mm -hmm. like, very, like, Absolutely. 50s, like, vibe to it. And I really like it now. And if it, like, 
you can argue it feels a little out of place in the movie, but I think that's kind of what makes it pop a little bit, is that it feels so different from every every other scene in the film. Great choice. I love this. This is one, as soon as you said it, I just want to smack myself. Like, Kelly, how did you not put this even on your honourable mentions list? Because this <laughs> is by far one of the ones I've listened to on CD over and over and over again. Uh, I'm very much in the same boat. boat. Um, Lady in the Tramp wasn't one of mine, but I've always loved this song because I love um, 40s, 50s, 60s music. So I love Peggy mm-hmm. Lee and her smoky vocals. I think it's just gorgeous, especially the way it um, trickles off at the end with um, I wish that I could travel his way. Like, yeah. it's so great. And as Jeremy was saying, like, the dog just whoop, 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 throughout it. It just adds something. <laughs> so, like, like, a little chorus of dogs to roll adds personality and flavour into it. I think this is such a fun way to kick off. Caleb, kick us off. What's your number five, please? Uh, my number five is a little bit of a weird pick, uh, but this is one I just have unbridled nostalgia for because, weirdly enough, this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I have the titular song from The Three Caballeros. It's a great one. I, I love The Three Caballeros. Look, okay, now, like, as an adult, I'm like, is The Three Caballeros a great movie? No. Do I have a massive soft spot for it and just enjoy it regardless of sense? Yes. It's just like a big party and I like it. And like the final song is like the perfect just bow on everything in the movie. And it is so fun. It is so catchy. And like the animation with it and the speed, like I love to see the moment when uh, I'm blanking at Pecos, uh, holds the high note for like a significant mm, amount of time. Yeah. And they're like cutting the floorboard underneath them and doing all that <laughs> stuff. Great. And he's still holding it. It's great. And I think the song is just like, it has this very like upbeat, like kind of faster pace. And it, it it's always stuck in my head. Like it's, it's fantastic. Even like as I was putting it on like my list, like it's been stuck in my head for like the past two days now. Oh, I didn't even expect like a three Caballeros pick, but when you said that, I was like, oh, but there's also like You Belong to My Heart and then there's the Aurora Miranda song. Like there's some really catchy music throughout it. And I'm the same. This is probably one of my favourites of this sort of packagey era of films we get because we get at least a little bit of through line of story and that through line is the three Caballeros themselves coming together. I love Jose Carrico. I love um, Pantino Pistoles. So I like their camaraderie together very three musketeers but it's three the cameras and yeah this song's just so jaunty and upbeat jeremy what do you think of this one this is one that was definitely fighting with uh he's a tramp for my number five spot i really love this song and one one thing that i was going to kind of mention as i get into some of my other picks is it, it's hard for me not just to think of the films and the scenes in the films but also because i'm a big fan of the theme parks some of the songs tie into like attractions at the theme parks and stuff and the three caballeros is in an attraction at disney world uh the grand fiesta tour it's at epcot and it's a boat ride it's kind of like it's a small world and the second half of the attraction they just play this song and you go through different scenes and it's like such it's such a better experience than it's a small world it's such it's uh it's just a less annoying Equally catchy, but really wonderful song. And it just gives, fills you with such joy. And then all everything Caleb was saying about the, the scene in the film as well. It's like you put all that together. It's just, it is absolutely a wonderful and very underrated song that, yeah, you will keep humming for sure. <laughs> 
My number five, I'm wondering if it's going to pop up on any list. Uh, my number five is When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, I think Let it might. us come back to that one. <laughs> I love to see it. Not surprised at all. Uh, Jeremy, what is your number four, please? All right. Uh, we'll see. I don't know if this will come up, but um, this this is one that I think is 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 iconic and great in the film. Also ties into a theme park thing, but this is Once Upon a Dream from Sleeping Beauty. So uh, yeah, this one, it was the, one of the cool things about Once Upon a Beauty is a lot of the music in the film is kind of adapted from the Sleeping Beauty Ballet by Tchaikovsky. So uh, George Bruns, the, the composer, adapted part of the Garland Waltz into this melody. Um, and it works beautifully in the film, performed by the two main characters as they're kind of falling in love. And I just love, there's like a whole, like prelude part involving the animals that builds up into the actual part where the the characters sing to each other well there's there's a like aurora singing with the animals like like imagining the prince and then you ultimately get her and the prince together it's, just, it's like a whole movement of the film and it and it's so wonderful and enchanting i think that it actually kind of one up some of like the love scenes we had in earlier princess movies i think it, it, it it's my favorite of those um and it's also the the uh the song that plays on the carousel at disneyland if you go to Fantasyland, it's the sleeping beauty carousel so i can't think about walking through that part without hearing that music even though it's like a carousel version of it and it, it, it just it's so like an important part of my life and my childhood um, but also just beautiful in the film itself. So that's my number four, Once Upon a Dream. Uh, Jeremy, the way you describe that just puts the biggest smile on the face, on my face. Yeah. This makes my list. Caleb, does this make your list? It uh, does not make my list, unfortunately. All right. So this makes my list at number three. Uh, right. I absolutely adore Sleeping Beauty. It places very, very high in my Disney rankings. This is one I had on VHS and just one I've grown up with and, like, the thickest of thick nostalgia goggles for this one. I think it's just one of the most beautifully animated films. Uh, it's one that captures the Disney magic for me. So this scene, um, it has one of my all-time most favourite shots of them uh, drifting along the riverbank and you're seeing their reflection. I think that mm. is just high art. I think it's gorgeous. I have it as a little lamp and it has their reflection on it. I think it's just uh, just beautiful. Um I, as, as you sort of said, Jeremy, and I love that it starts with the animals and the red cape and mm -hmm. her sort of play acting and interacting with these animals. And I think it's it's sweet. And again, it makes me, it just puts a big smile on my face. And the ballet, uh, the Garland Waltz, as you sort of said, having that waltz timing really mm -hmm. moves that song along and makes you feel as if you're dreaming, makes you feel as if you're dancing on clouds or along this, in this beautiful forest section. Mary Costa and Bill Shirley have these powerhouse voices that are able to deliver these operatic nearly moments to you. So um, these big orchestral swells that happen throughout the song. It's romantic. It's dreamy. I just, yeah, it, it has to make my list. Caleb, what are your thoughts on Once Upon a Dream? Yeah, this is, this is a really good song. Uh, Sleeping Beauty was a movie that I came to really late. I don't think I watched that movie for the first time until like 2018. Like it was... Wow. I came to that one very late. It was just never one that, like, we never had it on VHS. I, for whatever reason, like, and then when you get, like, when you're a boy and you hit 12, 13, you're kind of like, I don't want to watch the girly princess ones. I <laughs> I only still like Aladdin, even though I wasn't even, like, I openly like Aladdin. But I was like, Aladdin, Hercules, those those are still fun. Because I was, I was trying to, like, I'm too cool for Disney. 
Uh, but I wasn't. I really wasn't. Uh, but it just it was never one I got to. And when I first watched it, I was kind of like, this, I don't think this works, but I really like a lot of it. And the more I watch it, the more I really like it. And I just kind of had to fix, like, move my focus. Like, despite the fact that it's called Sleeping Beauty, it's not really about her. Mm-hmm. And, like, in some ways, that's not great. But this is, like, the one moment where both she and Prince Philip really get to shine. And I love this moment. This is, like, a great moment. I had to, this is, like, one of the ones I think I said earlier. Like, I was going between, like, songs that should be on my list. And yeah. songs that I have a personal attachment to. This is one of the ones that should be on my list, but I just like Three Caballeros is just one I have always loved since I was like four. So I just, I had to go with my personal attachments. That's what I want for these shows. Like, this is why I'm asking people, come on, what are your favorites? What did you grow up with? What is hitting with you? Because I had the exact same thing. Um, things that I would say best and things that I would say is favorites. And it's really hard to sometimes meld the two, but that's just the way it needs to shake out. So I, I'm going to have some weird picks coming up as well. So I, don't, don't I just worry. wanted I just wanted to add real quick, Sleeping Beauty was the one, the, the princess movie I liked as a kid because he, the, there was a big dragon fight in it. So I'm like, I can like this one more than Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> uh caleb give us your number four pick please uh my number four is the only disney song i have ever performed it is the unbirthday song uh i think every time we bring up alice in wonderland i am legally obligated to mention that i played the mad hatter in high school uh and man like i love so much about this song like i love the the tea kettle like type whistling going on in the intro and like the rhythmic like speak singing going on with the march hair and edwin is the mad hatter who i just love uh and like i love all of that and just it's so goofy but so fun there's just such like the orchestration is just has this like whimsy about it but like this very like silly simplicity and it's so nice and it's like it just it eases you in, like, because up to this point, Wonderland has been pretty harsh to Alice. Like, you know, the White Rabbit and all these other things, like, the flowers are mean to her. Everybody's been kind of harsh to Alice. So this is, like, her first real, like, just nice experience in Wonderland. And I think this song just kind of perfectly welcomes her to Wonderland in an actual, like, comforting way. And it just... My favorite sequence in the movie. I love it so much. That's not true. The trial is my favorite sequence in the movie. But still, I love it. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on the Unbethday song? You know, this one was on my list for so long. It was a last minute cut. I'm so glad that Caleb had it. I, 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 was, I felt bad about it not quite making it. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful, perfect sequence. It's another one that, that really builds. You know, there's like with the uh, Dormouse and everything that goes on like throughout the, the, the madness just builds and builds and it's so great. Um, but again, 
has a profound Disneyland connection for me because this is what plays at the teacups attraction in Fantasyland. So you kind of every time you walk through that area, you hear it. That just the, the like the instrumental part that do 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 do, and it's just it's just so Disney to me. That's like I can't think about Disney without thinking of that music. It, it, it's very central for me. So wonderful, wonderful thing. I'm so happy you did the because that's exactly what I had in my head as well. Like you just you need to sing it out. And as as both you described with the tea kettles making those sounds, the tea kettles being the percussion section with the march hair even conducting them as they go. As someone who loves loves tea and afternoon tea, like this scene has everything for me. Um, it, it does make my honourable mentions list as well. I, I love the way you sort of said that the uh, the Mad Hatters really doing the scene, but then the March Hairs, you know, cutting in with these speaks in between. And it is, it's full of whimsy and wonder, but it's also showing you like they're playing by their own rules in this song. You know, this is the way of, mm -hmm. of that their land works, that this, if you're sitting down at this table, this is the function. And at the end, when we get um, the white rabbit even come into it all, because we've been chasing him throughout. So <laughs> Little bit of him tying it back into it but the the melody is uh just very whimsical very upbeat very ties into the the themes of the whole movie i i very much love this choice my number four pick is one i've covered on a previous last five Clive before so i'll keep it a bit brief it's uh a dream is a wish your heart makes from cinderella so uh this song it just grows on me the more and more I hear it and it changes my perspective on it the older I get. Uh, when I was very young, it was very uh, similar to Once Upon a Dream, very light, airy, yet I'm very wide-eyed and optimistic and dreaming of the way your life will be. And now as I'm older and as you start going through changes and life experience, it really represents um, persistence and resilience to me and not losing your sense of positivity of optimism not losing your sincerity and your sweetness not letting that be altered by anything so if you keep your dream and your wishes in your heart and you keep following that goal and taking the steps towards it you you will find that and you will find that happiness and so eileen woods just has a, a beautiful voice and the way she um, performs this melody is is just absolutely sweetness personified uh jeremy what are your thoughts on the dreams of wish your heart makes yeah it's a really wonderful song um you know it's a cinderella wasn't one of my favorites when i was a kid i i've come to i think as you've kind of come to appreciate some of the more serious undertones of some of it i've, I've come to appreciate it more over the years and uh yeah this is this is a, a just a really beautiful song it, it does have that undercurrent of, of heartbreak to it we know that cinderella is has a hard life and but she doesn't let that define her she tries to find the positivity in it and i think that sets it a little bit of apart from some of the other princess songs from that era and again beautifully sung uh really wonderful i, I love sweet night uh sing sweet nightingale as well and they kind of really close together in the in the film it's kind of like this whole cinderella movement where she's just singing as she works and you really get into her personality i think the the songs tell us more of who she is as a person than even some of the the dialogue and stuff so i think it, it it's really a wonderful pick there definitely an honorable mention for me oh that's a beautiful point kayla what do you think about a dream is wish your heart makes I think you could argue it's Disney's first great I want song. Because, mm -hmm. like, the, the the Wishing Well song is probably technically, like, the first. But I'm 
Personally, not it could be on somebody else's list. Personally, it's not one of my favorites. Uh, but this, like, it's it's like you say, it perfectly exemplifies who Cinderella is as a person in the span of a what two minute song. Like, I and that's I think the thing that's brilliant about a lot of the old Disney movies is that they are able to sum up characters in very like not in simplistic ways, but in very, like, here's what you need to know, in very efficient ways. And especially, like, I've been watching a lot of, like, musicals from that era, and, like, especially you get to, like, those Ziegfeld, Busby, Berkeley-style musicals. Those don't always do that. It's very much, like, story, song, story, song. And the songs usually are just there for the sake of doing a song. It's not always there for the sake of actually, like, building character or anything else. And don't get me wrong. I love some musical numbers where the sake of the musical number is let's have a musical number. But I really admire how these films are able to efficiently and effectively convey this information about these characters and the story in just a short span of time. Absolutely. Jeremy, what is your number three pick? All right. So I'll, I often will hear people say, I don't like that to listen to that song or I don't like to watch that movie or read that book or whatever it is because it makes me cry and makes me really emotional. And I don't know what it is about me if I'm just a more like masochistic person, but I don't have that gene. I love things that make me cry. Like I will listen to a song on repeat because it, it gets me into my emotions. And for me, I think the the most emotional, heartbreaking song for me in all of Disney is Baby Mine from the film Dumbo. And uh, this is, uh, not only is it, the song itself is, is beautiful, um, but it becomes heartbreaking when you put it in context with the film, uh, which is the, the moment in the movie where Dumbo's mom, uh, uh, she attacks some kids in the circus because they're being cruel to Dumbo, being a good mom. But of course, because she's an animal, they lock her away in a mad elephant thing and Dumbo is separated from her. And then there's the scene where Timothy the mouse takes him so he can go and see his mother like through the bars and they sing the song, Baby Mine, which is really just a lullaby, a beautiful lullaby. But in the context of them being separated, uh, it, it's really powerful. And, you know, we all have moms and we all have memories of our moms and stuff and we get older and, you know, don't don't that that's like a distant memory. But just the idea of when you grew older and we're kind of separated from your mom or, or maybe don't have your mom in your life anymore. This is just one of the more powerful songs. And I particularly love the choice in the film that it doesn't just hold on Dumbo and his mom, but it actually cuts away to show all the other animals in the circus, like being held by their mother and stuff. And that like somehow makes it way more beautiful and way more horrifically sad as well, because you know what Dumbo's lost. So, and I think for me that what Dumbo is really about, like the real story isn't him like learning to fly, but him, how is he going to get back to be with his mother? Like that to me is what makes Dumbo a better film and makes me more invested in it. And I don't think that would happen without this song at this particular point in the movie. So on all those levels, I love it. 
Oh, I'm trying not to well up as you're describing it all because, yes, <laughs> I, I find this one so incredibly heartbreaking. And you're right, it's the emotional crux of the film is this song and this moment in the film. And it's it's one of the few perfect lullabies that we hear from a Disney movie. I'm thinking this and La La Lou is like the other ones like I would play as, mm. as relaxing music because it's just it, there's something soft and light about it all. And I think the way you described it um, in relation to um, motherhood, is just, it's just beautiful. Um, Bart, what do you think about this one? Yeah, Dumbo's, for me personally, never been one of my favorites. But I watched it a lot as a kid, weirdly enough. <laughs> and so I, and, but the thing is, when I was a kid, I was never a fan of this scene. I was always like, this is too slow. Get me back to Timothy Q. Wow. Get me to yeah. all this stuff. And now it's basically flipped. Where now when I watch Dumbo, the Timothy Q. Mouse, the circus stuff, that's what doesn't really work for me. But this sequence is, like, really one of my, just probably easily my favorite portion of the movie. Uh, and I guess that's that's one of the things that is just about growing up with Disney movies, is your, your tastes change, and some of the stuff you didn't like as a kid, you now, like... Not in a way it's like, oh, like, you know, when you have, like, movies like Shrek where you're like, now I understand all the jokes now. It's like you understand, like, the emotional undertones now and really, like, what's going on here. So, yeah, I this is easily my, my favorite portion of the movie. Great song. I love that. I, I can 100% on the same page where as you're growing up and maturing, you can connect with the feelings that certain scenes are supposed to have. Because, yeah, I think we all have those ones like on VHS and be like, oh, yeah, fast forward that one or like too slow or too mm. staffy or things like that. But, yeah, this scene's just completely beautiful. Uh, Bo, what's your number three pick? Uh, my number three is I think it's the only song in my list that I did not watch until I was older. It is the Headless Horseman song mm. from the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Uh, this is another one. I did not watch it probably until about 2018. Uh, Cause I wanted to like finish all the other Disney movies uh, because I was not, this is one. It's not like I had no interest in watching it as a kid. I was explicitly not allowed to watch the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad as a kid. Mm. My mom thought it was too scary, uh, which was, was not an uncommon uh, thing I also was never allowed to watch Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, as a child. So, but I, I did get to that one when I was like 10, 11. But this one, it's like never on Netflix. It was never on anything. So I didn't watch it until like some, like, like I said, 2018. And I, I preferred the Wind in the Willows segment. And I still do. But when this song hits and you have Bing Crosby's vocals, like who he's singing the whole movie basically, or the whole short, but specifically with this song, like it is so good. And you have, he's essentially, you know, he plays every character in the movie basically. And you have him singing for Brom Bones and, you know, kind of, you know, obviously trying to scare Ichabod, but you can tell Bing is just having so much fun with it. And it is just like, and like when he starts doing all the different voices, some will let you wear their skin and like all these other things. Like, it's amazing. And it is just like, it's a perfect, like fun Halloween song with like a great, like 40s jazzy beat. And like, it, it is, it is such a fun time. 
And I'm going to quick get on my soapbox here and say Spotify. Why is the Bing Crosby version not on Spotify? It's not there. Thurl Ravenscroft's version is the only one on Spotify, which is good. But I want the Bing Crosby version. I think we I think we've actually had this conversation before about why is it that we're going I think when we do Bill songs, I think we had this exact conversation. But there is something about their Ravens Got Time that really um bass tone that can sell it as well. But I agree. This is um well, this is what I was never exposed to. I've come to this much later, uh, only when we were doing our chronological walkthrough uh, run through in 2017, and I ended up having to source the DVD from the UK. Like it just wasn't available anywhere so i'd never been exposed to it only through um uh reading about disney films in general and sort of seeing the characters especially wind of the willows and uh sleepy hollow but never hearing any of the content so when i found out it was Bing crosby i was like really and as he sort of said he just sells that moment he's telling a ghost story and he's having fun with it and he's camping it up and it is that halloween vibes halloween's still something relatively new to me and to Obi, but i get a lot of enjoyment out of it jeremy what do you think about that headless horseman song oh it's it's a wonderful song i just have to say i think caleb and i had like opposite childhoods because my parents there was like no filter i could i watch whatever i wanted like they would rent movies leave them around the house and i would just watch all this stuff totally inappropriate for a kid like uh, i watched like horror movies at a really young age and it's so uh, either, either you're gonna end up being scarred for life and never like horror movies or you'll be totally desensitized like i am and i love horror movies and i'm not scared of them so yeah totally different so yeah, I definitely watched this one a lot as a kid. The interesting thing about the, the package films in the 40s is when I was a kid in the 80s, I didn't even know they were a thing because Disney's like video releasing, they would just release the, the individual shorts on VHSs. So I had they had the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I, I would rent that and then I would rent The Wind in the Willows and I would rent like Mickey and the Beanstalk and Bongo. So it was years later that I realized these were actually a film and actually getting to see the context of how they wove them together in the films is really interesting. But yeah, this is a great one. Um, just the fact that Bing Crosby, you know, was involved, sang through an entire segment of a Disney film and was involved in one is something that I think isn't brought up enough or like even like a lot of Disney fans don't aren't, aren't that aware of this. So I think that it was a wonderful thing to point out. And it, it is if you want like a Disney Halloweeny feel, you know, this is a, this is one that either watching the short or the hearing the song, it just it's perfect. There's like nothing better. And I think that's a great point as well, because this is like um, really quite recently post-war. It didn't release until, what, 48 or something, so they would have had to record it all quite earlier. So I think that's um, that's an interesting point to make about uh, when these package films were released at the time. And I love how you said, Jeremy, about getting them chop chains, because I'm pretty sure a lot of us were introduced to some of those featurettes um, before mm-hmm. uh, on, on VHS rather than as an actual film. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, my number three has already been brought up with Once Upon a Dream. So, Jeremy, give us your number two, please. Okay, I I don't know if I'm, we've all talked about movies we've loved and sequences that we loved, and this is neither. <laughs> this is kind of a departure <laughs> and maybe stepping into slightly more controversial waters, but I can't deny that this is like a top five Disney song for me of all time. When I think of Disney, I think of this song, and it happens to be from a very controversial film, and it is Zippity Doodah from the film Song of the South. Um, 
you know, this, this obviously, this was a, a film that uh, came out, what, 46, um, and it's a live, mostly live action with some animated segments, and, like, the central character of the film is this character, Uncle Remus, who lives uh, on a plantation in the South just after the Civil War, and he kind of uh, becomes a mentor to the, like, the white son of the fam, the white family, and, like, tells the boys stories and, like, consoles him when the boy's having like emotional issues with his family and, and feeling neglected and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of problematic stuff when you look back at the film now. Um, obviously, Disney uh, hasn't released it um, and, you know, made it available on Disney Plus or anything. It wasn't even on uh, VHS or home videos I was growing up. There was like a Japanese Laserdisc version of it that like got uh, burned onto YouTube. And I like saw that version at some point. So I've seen the film, but... Yeah, uh, James Basket, who who plays Uncle Remus in the film, I think he he was wonderful. You know, within the confines of the role that he was allowed to play, uh, Hattie McDaniel, Oscar winner from Gone with the Wind, is also in the film. There's a scene where the two of them perform together that I think is pretty wonderful, and lovely with within the very narrow context of what they're allowed to do and be in that film. And I think that he he gives a wonderful performance in the film. Yeah, for me, it's a great song. If you take it in the like just as from James Basket as a reformer, it's wonderful. And then of course, you know, eventually we got in, in the theme park Splash Mountain, which has just closed recently, but is based on some elements from the film and that song. I, I even love like the performance that you hear that you heard as you would go through the ride even more than the original version. It's just, it's, it's so like, it just gets you into the mood of the attraction and into the Disney mode of things. And it's just, you know, I just still hum it to myself. It's, it's quintessential Disney for me. This is uh, thank you for like the the history of it all because because uh, I was very much the same where I've grown up knowing this more outside of Disney because we've never seen some of the South so Eve, that yeah. was something a fact that I came to later knowing that it was a Disney because it was just a children's song it tended to be on children's CDs I think we sang it at school in choirs and like it, it was just an upbeat happy song so and it was on um, I'm pretty sure it was on Disney singalongs on VHS I think it was oh, on yeah. like Bob absolutely. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so that is where I've seen the, the the scene and the animation and seen James Basket performance and and um, interacting with the bluebirds and Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. And I think mm -hmm. I think there is a lot of beauty in the song. So it, it's um, it is tied up in a lot of tricky um, feelings and emotions. And it's always so important to be respectful to that. Um, but I do agree that this is very quintessential Disney and and of the time. Um, Kayla, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I have a weird history with this song. Like, kind of similar to you, Kelly, because, like, I watched the Disney VHS sing-along mm -hmm. page all the time as a kid. Like, that was my... Ex Before I saw most of the movies that were actually, like, the songs were from, I saw the, the sing-along clips. So I was introduced to, like a giant catalog of Disney scenes just from the context of the Disney of the songs. So I knew I, I didn't know what movie it was from, but I just, I think it does say actually in the thing, but I didn't, I'd never heard of the movie that was from it. There, there's a song called zippity doodah. This sounds fun. Like it's a very like catchy, well-written song and it's a happy song. And I don't even know like the point when I, where I learned that, Oh, 
Song of the South is like this very like controversial, uncomfortable movie. Yeah. And I think it was like because of like a like a watch mojo list or something <laughs> of that ilk that talked about it. And I was like, wait, that that's the movie that Zippity Doodah is from. That's weird. And it was just like it, so it kind of tainted that song for me a little bit. Which is obviously, I mean, it, it should, but at the same time, it's a bummer because I think removed from the context of the film, it is a really good song. And it's a really nice song. It's an Oscar-winning song. True, uh, yeah. It's, it's a really nice song. So it just, it sucks that it's a great song attached to this nasty historical context that it has. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it's, it's a really good song. I love that point about the Disney sing along songs because that reminds me of um, the Ugly Bug Ball. Like, I never ever see, I just don't know what that's from, but I know that song, like, off my heart, but I have no idea what it's from. Kelly, <laughs> I yes. need you to know that I okay. literally looked up Ugly Bug Ball, which is from Summer Magic, because I thought it oh, was Summer Magic yeah. movie, but it was released <laughs> in 1963. Oh, so, just a weird show. When you do your 60s through, is it 60 through 80s? So that way you're 80s, yeah. <laughs> 80s show, you at least have an honorable mention. Because uh, the Ugly Bug Ball, that that was a bop. That was a bop and a half. Yes. For a lot. I, I oh, feel yeah. like, how do you do is on those sing-alongs too. I, I seem to recall yeah, that also. How do you do? Fine back you. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's song, yeah. Yeah. You just unlocked a memory in my brain. Yeah. I had not thought yeah, about both, that. And both long. of those songs play in Splash Mountain. So yeah, it's all connected. <laughs> I need to. Go, I want to go watch the old Disney sing-along VHS tapes now. Those yeah. were, those were jams. Those were jams. Professor Al. I love him. Like there is pop vinyls of him. Like if I'm ever gonna buy one, it's that because that's the man right there. I did not know those existed. That's great. <laughs> Caleb, what is your number two choice? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. My number two is um, I, I mentioned that I was not the biggest fan of this movie as a kid, uh, but I all weirdly enough, and I was never a fan of like the softer, like more romantic song. But weirdly enough, I always liked this song in the scene, Bella Note from Lady in the Tramp. Mm, absolutely. Uh, this is this is absolutely like. One I've always enjoyed, and I can't explain why. But also, weirdly enough, there was a moment in time when I thought that, like, this song and That's Amore were the same song, for whatever <laughs> reason. And I, like, thought they were just both, like, parts of the same song. So when I, like, revisited Lady and the Tramp in, like, 2018, when I was, like, finishing all the Disneys, I was like, wait, where's That's Amore? And then I thought when Tony doesn't start singing Dean Martin, you're like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I like felt very stupid. Uh, and then I found out that that's more is from a completely different movie uh, called The Caddy. Uh, but yeah, like this song, it's just it like it has just such like a beautiful vibe to it. Like usually like the Disney songs that I feel like people do remember the most tend to be their big sweeping like romantic numbers or at least that's the ones that garner the critical acclaim maybe remember is the wrong word but like 
you know, Beauty and the Beast, A Whole New World, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Like, the big romantic songs tend to get that. And like I said, as a kid, usually those were not my favorites. I liked your Hakuna Matatas, your Be Our Guests, you know, those types of vibes. The upbeat party numbers. Yeah, the upbeat party numbers. <laughs> but now, like, but even then, I always gravitated to Bella Note. And I think it's because it was just, like, such a nice, like, sequence where it's really, it's kind of like the big, like, climactic, maybe not climactic, but big, like, focal point of the movie where these two characters are finally, like, not only realizing the romantic attraction to each other, but also, like, just seeing past the stereotypes that they have of the other and really just viewing each other as people, for lack of a better... Dogs, I guess. But, you know, in the same way that, you know, we once you kind of get past the stereotypes, you start to see a person as a person. And I think it's it's brilliant. This is one that's so heavily tied to the imagery as well. You hear the song and you picture those two dogs with a little plate of spaghetti yeah. and then nudging the meatballs and the little tied up spaghetti bit and Tony with his big accordion. So this is the sound of romantic dinner music to me. Like that's just a beautiful, nice little Italian dinner music. So uh, I, I'm in the same boat. Lady in the Chant was never really one of mine. This isn't one I've ever super come back to, but I, I agree for the imagery of it all and just having a, a nice melody to go with it all. Uh, I think this is great. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Bella Note? Well, I just have to say, I'm like you guys, Lady and the Tramp was a favorite of mine when I was a kid. I, I don't know why, I just the story always connected to me more than 101 Dalmatians. Like, I watched it way more. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's there's a reason when you see, like, just, like, montages of romantic scenes in movies, this scene is often there. It's It's just an iconic scene of two characters falling in love, and the fact that they could convey that in animation... And just the simple uh, thing of a character pushing a meatball to the other character and stuff, it, it's its so wonderfully done. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's its one of the great Disney love songs from that era. I do think it, it's either like really charming or maybe borderline creepy that Tony, the guy that runs this restaurant, is so invested in these two dogs falling in love and he's like going to play an accordion song to them and try to get them to like fall in love with each other. I, it's like, maybe it's charming. I don't know. But you kind of stop to think about it. It's a little funny. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, lo I love Lady and the Tramp. And yeah, there's actually multiple songs that that uh, would get uh, honorable mention status for me. So, and I had a song from them on my list. So yeah, absolutely love it. <laughs> my number two, when I was making my list, I actually found out every single one of my songs has strong themes to stars, wishes and dreams i think that's very much what the the thesis of the studio was pushing at this time is the ethos is giving people a sense of wonder a place to dream a place to uh, live out fantasies and childhood whimsy and i think this is the first one from this movie that's going to make our list i'm picking the second start of the right from peter pan uh, this is one I've always kept extremely close to my heart. One of the reasons I love the classics so much is those storybook openings and the opening storyboard credits. I really miss that when they would do these beautiful, rich coloured storyboards that would have the characters and you would be introduced to those sorts of things at the start. And Second Start of the Right has the unsung hero of this era, which is the Disney chorus. 
the Disney chorus has some of the most beautiful harmonies that you're ever going to hear. And I just remember listening to these CDs and being able to pick out all those vocals and these rich, warm tones that these men and women are providing. And something about this really, when I hear the song, I picture the sky. And there's something in these words that that just strike a chord to me where it's the second star on the right shines in the night for you. And I think it makes it accessible. It makes it feel that as a child that you can look out in the night sky and something magical is going to happen to me. And that's just that's just a feeling that's really hard to impart and I think it, it does it so well in the song and so yeah this is just one that I'll always always come back to to listen to I love hearing hearing just the instrumental of it and it, it just gives me the goosebumps uh Jeremy what are your thoughts on second star to the right yeah it, it's a wonderful song I think it's from this era it's probably my second favorite opening to a Disney film so it's it's a lovely pick um yeah it it, it was, I felt sad that I wasn't able to find a place for Peter Pan. You know, I, I do love that film. Um, and this is a wonderful opening. I think to me, you know, if I was to pick one, it would be You, would, you Can Fly. But these two, they kind of go together a bit. They kind of are all along that same theme of looking to the sky and, and soaring and, and just the adventure and uh, the longing and everything that goes along with that. And again, it's it's impossible me, uh, for me to not think of this song and the other songs of the film and not think of the Disneyland attraction, which is uh, one, one of the great, maybe the greatest of all the Fantasyland attractions. So it's, yeah, wonderful stuff. Love it. Caleb, what are your thoughts on Second Star of the Ride? Yeah, uh, th this is another one where in my brain, for whatever reason, for the longest time, I conflated Second Star of the Right and You Can Fly as like the same song and kind of thought they were connected uh, and like that they were just two different parts of the same song. Uh, but this one's good. Again, I think You Can Fly is the one that sticks out more in my memory. But like, I also think that has to do with the fact that You Can Fly was on the Disney. <laughs> yeah, it was on the Disney VHS sing-along tapes because Peter Pan was another one that I did not watch as a kid. Uh, that one was a weird reason, though. That was because I don't want to watch Peter Pan. I want to watch Hook. Hook is better than Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> it was always my, my thought line as a kid. So I think it was, only, like, I only probably watched it, like, once. I don't even think we had, like, the VHS of it or anything. Uh, but yeah, uh, good pick. Good pick. I, I do enjoy it. It's just, it's one that, like, doesn't necessarily stick in my brain. But it is a good song. No, that's fair. This is just, again, as we were sort of saying, those yeah. favourites, those personal ones that have somewhat informed our life journey, and that's that's just one for me. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to do something a little bit unorthodox, and I'm going to take my number one pick, because, and then I want to end up <laughs> on the grand finale, if you know where I'm going with this one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So my number one pick is, in a movie already mentioned, um, it is In a World of My Own from Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Alice being one of the movies I've probably seen the most in my life, this song being one of the most played in my music library, I think if we pulled up my iTunes, this would be like quadruple what anything else has been played because this is an adorable minute and a half of a sweet little melody. There's no big moments. There's no movement in it. It is straightforward, down the line, but it's it just encapsulates escapism and wonder. And it sets the tone for the film to me. I just picture Alice laying down in that daisy garden. And Catherine Beaumont has an adorable voice. 
And I just really enjoy her certain articulation of words. It's forever changed the way I say bluebirds. Like she goes, lots of nice and friendly howdy do birds. Like just the, the way she's able to play with it all. And there's something just childlike whimsy of it. She's got this warm tone. I even love at the end, she reaches for the high note and crackles a little bit. And I live for that because I can't sing. I cannot sing a note. So in, I, I feel it's relatable. This song on a whole is relatable to me. It is something, as a kid, we've all wanted to go live in a fantasy world, wishing magic was real, wishing all the, the movies and books that we've grown up with, that we could go into those places there. And that's what, at the heart, this song gives me. Uh, again, this was CD5 of the 5CD Greatest Hits Disney compilation mm. with the orange cover. So, like, this is one that just kept going back to, back to, back to. Um yeah, it's just, it, it is what Alice is to me. Uh, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on In a World of My Own? Well, I just have to say, I have such love and respect for Catherine Beaumont. I think that it's, I wasn't able to find a place for her on my list. So I'm so glad that you did and, and honored her properly, both in Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. She was wonderful uh, playing Alice and Wendy. And uh, yeah, this just really sets it, it gets you invested in her character it sets the tone for who she is as a character and then you know kind of grounds you a little bit as you get into all the wildness of the movie and it's a wonderful opening and i just have to say uh something about Catherine beaumont obviously she was a young woman and and did such a wonderful job in those films at the time but when they when they built rebuilt Fantasyland at disneyland in, the, in 1983 and reopened all the rides they actually brought Catherine beaumont back 30 years later and she re-recorded her parts for alice in wonderland and peter pan and the attractions and it's like it still sounds like those characters. It's like she didn't miss a step, even like being in her fifties at the time. So it's just, it's a she's such a wonderful part of Disney history, and this yeah really is a is a wonderful moment in that film that I I didn't quite think of, and I I think it is a more underrated unsung uh, thing among a lot of the other Disney songs. So I, I'm so glad you highlighted it. Oh, that is beautiful to hear, uh, Caleb. What are your thoughts about this one? Yeah, I'm mad at myself for not, like, thinking about this. Because I was going through, like, all the Alice songs. And I, I could, for whatever reason, this one, like, didn't go to my brain. But this is a great song. I think we kind of talked about how uh, um, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes was, like, the first great Disney I Want song. But this is maybe the most underrated Disney I Want song because it's like not brought up in the canon of I Want songs because I think we traditionally attach those to the princess movies. And but this is like definitely it holds all the functions of an I Want song. It's it's literally Alice explaining what she wants and it has like this is to endear us to the character. And it absolutely does. It's a great moment. Uh and I love the little setups within the lyrics uh, as to what's actually going to happen in the movie. Like, you know, talking to the flowers for hours and all those other things. Like, mm -hmm. it's great little pieces of foreshadowing. But even remove all that, and I think it's a great song. Great pick. I'm a little mad I didn't think of it. Mm. <laughs> uh, we have come to the number one choices. Uh, Jeremy, please tell us what is your number one choice. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's, you know, it's it's like the the anthem of Disney. It's what you hear at the beginning of any Disney film. So maybe it's a little obvious. But 
you talk about things being personal. It's incredibly personal to me. And that's, it is absolutely uh, when you wish upon a star from Pinocchio. Um, this was like uh, somehow like got an early, cause some, I'm an older guy. So I was around like in the early eighties seeing films for the first times. And I got like, what like the earliest Disney VHS of Pinocchio. And that was just a film along with a few others, like the never ending story and stuff that just like inspired my love of film because of just the, the imagination and, and the fantasy and just seeing these like wonderful things that you could never see in life. Like you couldn't see people walking under the ocean with fish and, and uh, you know, turning into donkeys and all the crazy stuff in that film that is just so wild. Um, but yeah, I was so engaged with the story because it is about a young boy who's trying to figure out how to be, you know, a, a, a good person, but kind of being misled. And I think we all kind of, as young children, can at least as young boys, you're always like, you know, there's always, you can get into mischief and different things. I think that you connect to that and that character. Um, but yeah, the, the, the song itself, obviously, is the opening of the film. It's sung by uh, Jiminy Cricket, the great Cliff Edwards. And it, it's just this, this wonderful emotional thing about, you know, when you wish upon a star, your dreams can come true. And that's obviously what the film's going to be about. And I think it sets, you know, the, the movie ultimately goes into some zany and some scary places, but it sets kind of an emotional core, um, both with the Jiminy character and with Geppetto, because it really is about Geppetto. He's the one that makes the wish. He's the one that wants to have a son. And ultimately, the film is going to come around to Pinocchio, you know, giving the ultimate sacrifice for his father. And that's what's going to allow him to actually be a real boy because he made uh, that that ultimate unselfish choice. And I think this song sets, it, it allows, it ties everything together. It lets that moment when you get to the end of the film land uh, after so much craziness in the film uh, because the song itself is so great and so grounding. But as a song in itself, it's beautiful. You know, it was written by Lee Harline and Ned Washington. Uh, these were guys that worked on multiple of the early films. Ned Washington wrote a lot of the the lyrics in the early films, and they're just uh, great, iconic lyrics. And and this is like him at his greatest. And I think there's a reason that that melody has resonated and become kind of the anthem of the company. Um, and we've seen it, you know, used in how many uh, commercials for Disney, for the theme parks, for everything. And and it just it it allows you to kind of forget, you know, that it's this cynical sort of corporate commercialism thing because there's just something so truthful and beautiful in that melody and in that in those lyrics so it it, it just it's quintessential disney to me and it, again very personal to me as somebody who's discovering loving films and becoming a disney fan so early caleb what's your number one choice my number one is also when you wish all right <laughs> uh this is yeah is it maybe the basic pick yes is also a chocolate chip cookie as a favorite cookie. Probably the basic pick? Maybe. I love chocolate chip cookies. I love When You Wish Upon a Star. Like, this is another one where I have kind of an interesting journey with it. Because I loved Pinocchio as a kid. Like, I would just watch that over and over again. And I was, mm. I was a scared little kid. I was a kid who, like, the fast-forward button on the VHS was my best friend. I would fast forward through everything. But for whatever reason, Pinocchio never got that treatment. It wasn't that I wasn't scared, but I was like always just wanting to like face it. 
And I was not usually like that as a kid. But with Pinocchio, for whatever reason, that was always the thing. And again, like I said, the slow songs usually were not my favorite. But I would never hit the fast-forward button on When You Wish Upon a Star. And I loved this kid. And then I got a little bit older. And, you know, when you're you're in your, you know, early teens, you get cynical. You, you want to think that you're grown up, so all the kids' stuff is bad. And I was very much like, that song sucks. It's bad. <laughs> and I would, like, if anyone ever sang it, I wouldn't sing that one. I would sing, I'm cool. I heard this YouTube parody where it's like, if you ever wondered why Disney tales all end in life. Like, that was the great, like, to be fair, very funny video. That was Paints uh, After Ever After. Like, and he did those in the series. They were very, they were very funny. But I was like, I was, I was an obnoxious kid. And I was very much like, this song sucked. And then I revisited it again. And it hit just as hard as it did when I was a kid. So it came back around. And I think, like, that's the thing. And it kind of almost just sums up the entire Disney ethos into one single song of, like, this is what all the Disney movies are about. And it's so beautiful. And it's so just... It's it's like a warm hug wrapped into a song. Like that's I feel like that's the best way to describe it. I love this number one choice. Obviously, I've put it in my number five, and I just need to echo sort of what you guys are saying. It's it's emblematic of the Disney brand. Uh, you still hear it at the start of every Disney movie when you see that castle shot and you see that star go over and you hear that jingle and it gives me the goosebumps. There's not a time I don't sit down at the cinema or in front of my TV to start a Disney movie and I'm hearing that melody and I don't feel like Disney magic is about to happen to me uh, every time. Jeremy, I think you summed it up as well that Disney, uh, that Jimmy Cricket's this beloved character and Cliff Edwards has this amazing voice and is able to deliver something as both you were also alluding to is maybe, maybe a little bit saccharine, but he delivers it in a way that feels true and feels pure and just has great intent. Uh, my favourite bit, actually, of the song is the middle, where it kicks in with um, fate is kind, she gives to those who loves, and the Disney chorus comes in and just backs it all up. So I think it's actually quite yeah. smart that they do um, a, a first verse, that little bridge in the middle, and then circle back to Jiminy Cricket. I think uh, I like listening to the full version of it all. Uh, gives it a lot, a lot of life. Uh, gentlemen, that's our choices. What I know we've all said it's been so hard to make the list. We've got a lot of honorable mentions going. Uh, Jeremy, what are some of the ones that just didn't make your list that you would like to mention now? There was one that I, I, it really is a top favorite for me, but I didn't feel it was fair to put it on the list because it really is more the theme park attraction. And that is the song Merrily on Our Way to Nowhere in particular. From the <laughs> Good choice. Of Ichabod, Mr. Toad, which is really funny and, and, and funny in the film. It's sung uh, by Mr. Toad and the horse Cyril, and it, it's, a, it's kind of a wacky pun thing. But it kind of play when you go on the, the, uh, uh, the Mr. Toad wild ride uh, at Disneyland, 
it's like the song that plays throughout most of the attraction and it has like that Disney chorus you're talking about singing it and it's just so wonderful and it sets the tone of the, the one of my favorite attractions so it's just a, a song that I love but if it was just from the film it wouldn't quite be there so I, it didn't quite feel fair to have it uh, but yeah just other things uh, I do love Snow White so hi-ho and someday my prince will come we're, we're close for me um, one that I think is underrated, and maybe because the, there aren't many songs in the film, but Little April Showers from Bambi, I think, is, is a beautiful scene. Uh, the use of rain in that song. Uh, the, again, you talked about the Disney chorus. This is one of my favorite like Disney choral numbers from the early years. Um, if I was going to pick a Cinderella song, it would be Bidi Bopidi Boo for me. That, that's like a quintessential Disney. I can't think of Disney and not think of the fairy godmother doing that song. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I love Pinocchio. So, I mean, I was tempted to put High Dooley D on there. I think that's, <laughs> that's a quintessential Disney song. And it's also for anyone who is interested in the arts and in being a performer. That's like the song that you can sing that, that really conveys that. Fantastic. Uh, Caleb, what were some of your honorable mentions? Yeah, uh, as previously mentioned, You Can Fly was uh, kind of the one beaming around my sixth spot. Uh, and I think some of the other ones have oh. kind of already been mentioned, but two I want to highlight. Oh. One is uh, I always love like the intros to the Disney movies when like you have the chorus, like it's just usually it's just singing the theme or the name of the title and a little bit extra. And I love how Alice in Wonderland opens. That's my that. number one honorable mention. Yes, please describe it. Yeah. Like I I that just like gets me into like such like it's it's just a great, it's like an overture. It just gets you in like the mode for the movie. And it's like, how do you get to Wonderland? Like it's mm -hmm. oh, it's so good. Uh that is easily my favorite of like the opening choral statements. And then the other one, this was a really unconventional one, and I couldn't fit it on my list. This is my only one from a live-action movie I had in consideration. And it's Whale of a Tale from 50,000 Leagues Under It. Great, great song. Yeah. Which is like, it's very goofy. It's Kirk Douglas and a guitar singing mm -hmm. sea shanties. But it's such a fun time. And like, it's, it's like, you know, the movie kind of does this balancing act of taking itself seriously and being very goofy. And that's one of the more, like, silly scenes. But, like, it still has this underlying nature of sincerity to it that I think is maybe the biggest strength of the classic era Disney movies is that they all just kind of do everything with, like, their full breath. And just everything just has, like, no hint of cynicism to it. And I think that's why, like this song works for, and the scene works for me when it really maybe shouldn't logically. I think it's a fun time. I also just find that movie very underrated. In general. <laughs> Uh, my honorable mentions, I actually think they've all been mentioned already. Uh, great pool with Alice in Wonderland because that's one that is the title of the movie and, and and I didn't know it was a song until later until sort of like listening to the score on the soundtrack. I'm like, oh, no, that's that's that um, opening choral theme similar to um, Sleeping Beauty in 59. Like you get that opening, uh, here's Sleeping Beauty Fair. 
so I've always loved that melody as well. Uh, uh, thank you for the, the dip and the rise that I most definitely would not have been able to pull off and would want to have done. Um, the other one that actually made my list and I had to take out because I was I wrote a whole paragraph on it was Sunday My Prince Will Come. That was mm. that was on my list and I had to retract it because then I went, oh my God, I didn't put Once Upon a Dream in there and then shot up to like number three. <laughs> but Someday My Prince Will Come, I think it's a, it's a beautiful song. And I just, I love the start of it all. Like once there was a princess and was the princess you? And she fell in love. Like I love that whole interaction with the dwarves and telling this, this fairy tale story within a fairy tale. I think it's just so sweet. And Adriana Casalotti, we just know how badly she got screwed over. And it's so unfair because her tone mm. and the notes she hits are just glorious. Uh, I've also got So This Is Love. I've got um, You Can Fly. And uh, Jeremy, I was in the same uh, wavelength with Bambi, but I've gone with Love as a Song instead. I like mm -hmm. that big, bombastic, romantic musical number that uh, underscores uh, those Faleen and Bambi scenes. We have reached the end of our episode. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So thank you. Thank bye. you. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you all next time. And when you come to the end, <laughs> stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod. 